Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Leco, joined by my co-host, as always, Matt Wispay. It's good to have you here, buddy. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire and our good friends, our colleagues, the one, the only Rotoviz. I'm excited you're here, Matt. I know it's not under the uh, the circumstances we were hoping for. We just got done watching, well, last night got done watching uh, the national championship game where Alabama beat your Ohio State Buckeyes, the Ohio State Buckeyes. It looked like a really fun game to start. It was really exciting, and then things just kind of got out of hand. But uh, how are you doing? How are you holding up, buddy? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I was good. Um, I'm tired and I'm grumpy, mostly because... Uh, I think I've mentioned it on this program a few times. I don't stay up very late most of the time. So staying up for this game, I was real tired. Um, And I was supposed to be on a podcast last night. And I decided to not be a part of it because I did not want to stay up and be angry. So I, uh, yeah, I ended up turning off the end of the game and uh, choosing sleep. But I'm okay. I mean, it. I knew this was well within the range of outcomes. Uh, I think I mentioned on this that I thought we had about a 25% chance to win. um, And that was with optimal circumstances. And obviously, um, Trey Sermon going down on the first play. I don't, before I start saying these things, I don't want them to sound like excuses. I think that we probably still lose regardless. But losing uh, Trey Sermon on the first play, basically, it brings in the wrong style of running back. Because sure. you can't run the same plays with Master Teague that you wanted to run. Like, I know everyone's going to look and say, well, Master Teague did fine, but he's a very different runner. And yeah. the moment that you're starting to do that, like, zone run to the outside, he's pretty useless. And that seemed to be a thing that they really wanted to use a lot. Um, but yeah, so he went down, Wyatt Davis went down, and then obviously we were missing um, Tyreek Smith and Tommy Togiai, which, I mean... I think we probably would have gotten a little more pressure in the interior with Togia. He's a pretty freak athlete. He's uh, considered the strongest player on the Ohio State team. But even with all that being said, I still think Alabama just proved last night how good they really were. And I mean, the Ohio State secondary, which has been a problem all year, was a problem. Um, Devonta Smith, that's one (laughs) of the... I mean, say what you want. Like, it's, it's probably one of the best individual performances we have seen out of a wide receiver in a game ever. And he only played one half. Yeah. But before we b- break down the game, uh, kind of more in depth, like we're definitely going to start the show off with that. Um, just want to give you a quick overview of what we got going on. Uh, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to sit here and talk about last night's national championship game. Uh, just why it fell the way it did. What, what, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, I'd like to talk then about some of the players from the game that really stood out and what we think of them moving forward. Um, some of them coming back maybe for another year. Others of them uh, will be going to the NFL, what we think of their careers there. Uh, we'll break down a little bit about what the offseason is going to look like. And then uh, we'll, we'll finish off the show with a quick playoff prediction for next year. And um, I know you've got some thoughts around the, the Heisman that I'd like to hear for, for next year. Uh, I think one of the things, um, too, just starting off, uh, Devonta Smith winning the Heisman. You heard it here first, people. I told you that two months ago. Hopefully you uh, joined me in some. Actually, I couldn't bet it because uh, the, the the two sports books that I use didn't have um, the Heisman 
Lame. on their thing, which was really annoying. Uh, just like they didn't have player props on their thing, which is why I like to use Bet Online, uh, but I can't always do Bet Online. So, um, all that to say, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good game uh, to start. I was uh, I was really excited. Um, got a great start from from both teams, really. Um, I mean, uh, Ohio State's very first drive, of course, uh, was a three and out. Uh, failed to get things moving. As you mentioned, though, uh, Trey Sermon takes that first play of the game, uh, gets hit pretty hard. He he stayed in for for two more plays, I think. One more, uh, one more play, yeah, that incomplete pass. He could no longer go, and we unfortunately didn't see him again. Um, they said he's fine for what it's worth. Um, <sighs> there's a lot of reports that he's home, and now he's like, it, it seems like it, it probably wasn't the worst case scenario of injuries, but uh, it was bad enough that he should not have been playing. So yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Particularly yeah, for, for sure. he was probably one of the most popular player prop bets out there, all of his usage. Um, and I, I mean, those tickets were dead after one play. So yeah, that's, <laughs> I was thinking about that last night. I was like, Oh man, anyone who bet, uh, anyone who bet on, on sermon and it, you know, it was a smart bet. I think I saw a couple bets at like, you know, 23 receiving yards and you got to think that, uh, they would have been able to utilize him, uh, because I, I know that Teague didn't do much in the passing game, but nope. that's because he couldn't catch the ball when it was thrown his way a number of times. Uh, <laughs> dude just can't jump, man. There was one throw that Justin Fields kind of sailed it over his head a little bit, but a more agile, uh, <laughs> running back, I think comes down with that ball. But um, yeah, let's go through the game. And uh, I don't know how you want to break this down. If you want to give me your uh, just you kind of gave me your overview. Um, but what what did you see early on? I mean, when we were. Let's see here. I kind of forget how it all broke down exactly when I mean, we can. Um, but we can look at it kind of holistically. I mean, I think in the first quarter for I mean, it's really easy to to say like, oh, well, OSU's defense just got destroyed. OSU's defense obviously was just overmatched and they were. But it is worth noting that, like, I mean, they got they they stopped them on third down at yep. um, at the one yard line, and they had that stop. The only difference is, is that Alabama they have Najee Harris, who is very good at that short yardage run. They were always going to go for it there. Um, and then the next drive, the same thing happened. They stopped them on the third down same play. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it goes like. You can sit here and criticize Ohio State's defense all you want, and justifiably so. They their secondary got torched. They had a lot of major issues, but there were opportunities for this game to flip on its head. Had they somehow come up with a stop on that fourth and one at their own one yard line, and then march down the field and score, who knows what happens? Obviously, I still think Alabama's offense is eventually just going to explode. Um, but it, I mean, it's worth it, it's worth noticing. Like there were some moments like that, and then there was the fumble play. Um, I thought that was going to turn it all around. I mean, Ohio State had to punt the football. I personally thought, um, it was a you dumb know, punt. no, it was it was. He I thought maybe very, go for it. Ryan Day played very scared in this game. Um, yeah, but you got that turnover, and you had the short field, and I was like, okay, here we go. I think Ohio State's not only back in it, but they could really take control of this game. And man, that, that Alabama offense just would not be stopped. No, it was. And honestly, like, so here's the thing. There were a few, so Ohio state really did try and do exactly what I thought they were going to do. Their entire goal was to give Devonta Smith the little under 10 yard routes. Just give them him. 
let let them have him, give him some space, and then try and just make an open field tackle. And they kept trying to do it, but there was a couple of really bad breakdowns. So there was the 44-yard reception that everyone kind of knows where he was just standing there wide open. Um, that can't ever happen uh, with him. You, that was just the one glaring mistake. But there was also just a lot of really, really, really good play calling by Sarkeesian. Absolutely. Um, and you tweeted that last night, and and I thought it was right on. Like he's absurd. He, he he called you know for all intents and purposes he called a perfect game. Yeah, and so like the touchdown pass that Devonta Smith had, I'm trying to figure out which one it was. Basically, it was the one where he basically it was almost a screen pass. Yeah, but he ran backwards first, and he ran into the backfield, and then came back out of the backfield, and you could tell that Seven Banks, the Ohio State cornerback just had no idea what to do. He knew that he was supposed to stay kind of with him, but he kind of, he just didn't really know where to go. And he, he definitely seemed like he was just thrown off. And that led to Smith being wide open um, to just walk into the end zone, which just that can, it should never happen. But obviously the guy scored, I think, I think that took him to like 25 touchdowns on the year. He scored something silly. Yeah. 23 touchdowns on the year. The guy, the guy knows how to find the end zone. So um, whatever, all that went down. Um, Really for me, there were probably two glaring moments that all of a sudden I felt like this game was, I don't know, going to get out of hand. Uh, The big one was the field goal when we got down, when Ohio state got down to the Alabama six, and they were trying to throw it with Luke Farrell, or they tried to throw it in goal, I, I, I believe. Yeah, they, so they kicked a 23-yard field goal, um, but on third and goal, they did a pass to Luke Farrell. And I just sit here and wonder if, if they were just so hesitant to run Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I kept expecting to see that. I, I kept expecting to well, see him at the goal there line. Were, he'd been active. He seemed like he was fine. Like He did not seem hurt. Um, obviously I think he probably was, but this wasn't like Clemson where every play you'd see him hop up and be just wincing out of his mind. But like knowing that he didn't seem like he was dramatically injured, I'm shocked on like you get down to the Alabama six, you're not thinking of some way to let him run with the ball or at least have it be some type of run pass option for him because yeah, there was that one which led to the field goal. And honestly, that was when, like a field goal feels like an interception. A punt mm-hmm. feels like an interception. All these things where you're giving Alabama the ball, it feels like a drive killer. It feels like the same way as fumbling the ball inside your own because you know Alabama's going to go down and get seven. Alabama doesn't settle for three um, frequently. Obviously, they kicked a, a field goal in this game, but whatever. Um, but then, I mean, just little things. The other one, and this is when I turned off the game, the end of the third quarter. Um, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> so, when they started running the football down big and couldn't convert. Well, and I didn't even care. Like, if you're going to run the ball, that's fine. Keep keep running the ball. But then they ran Master Teague on, like I said, the outside zone on third and four. And Actually, that wasn't even outside zone. That was straight up the middle, and he got three yards. And it was just like, all right, I don't hate it. Because he, if he breaks open, that's the type of play where he's going to break off for 30 yards. What I hated was, on fourth and one, they tried the outside zone with Master Teague. And I turned off my TV. 
right. pretty sure right. before even the play was over. Um, that's a play where Justin Fields needs to have the ball in his hands because I agree. as much as like you want, we can sit here and criticize and say the game's already over. And it, on, I've looked at the ESPN. Um, I've looked at the ESPN probability chart, win probability. And at that point it was 99%. But let's say Ohio state converts that does a long pass. All of a sudden Ohio state wins the third quarter, 14 to 10. And you're going into that quarter. I think, down 45 to 31. So you just, at that point, you are putting yourself in a position where a perfect quarter and you can win the national championship. The moment right. they uh, turned over the ball on downs there, and I should say the moment that they decided to run the ball with Master Teague was when they lost that or when the game was officially over because there was, just, I mean, there's just no coming back. Um, Alabama obviously gets the ball, scores a touchdown. Yeah. And I mean, is what it is. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm not going to make, ex- I, I won't make excuses. I felt like Ryan day played, um, probably called his second worst game of the year. Offensively, the worst being the Northwestern game, but I, it, there was just a lot to me. I, I felt like there was a lot of suboptimal play calling. I felt like they had, um, I do think if this team was healthy, fully healthy, then it's a little bit closer just because I do think Mac Jones gets a little more pressure on him. I think uh, having Togiai in there in the middle and Smith on the outside, you're able to just some of those plays where Najee Harris looked like he was going to get tackled in the backfield, but end up getting like a six or seven yard um, run. Some of those probably just get more bottled up just because you have a little bit more help. But even with all that being said, I mean, Alabama's offense wasn't going to be stopped there. You needed to get this game to a point where you held them to 42, because Mm. I think that's what it would have taken for Ohio State to have a shot. Um, I will say over 75 check. Uh, Yep. I feel good about I called over 75 in this game. Um, 76 deal with it. Uh, Yep. Yep. A win is a win. Um, but yeah, we were, I, we were both on that lock. So we, 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 we both get to, uh, mark that one off on the win on the win column. Um, but now I, I guess now, I guess it's better to look at some individual players on this because we are. Oh, before we do that, before we do that, I wanted to talk to you about some of the individual plays, some of the, the plays that really stuck out to you from the game. Uh, there were two, um, uh, two, two player plays that really, uh, jumped out at me and we can maybe roll this into talking about, uh, the players as well. Um, uh, two two receptions that really stuck out to me. Uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, three. Devonta Smith. No, uh, Najee Harris with with one. Um, yeah. His touchdown catch was just stupid. Yeah, uh, that was incredible. One, uh, the Devonta Smith, where he's uh, like on the sideline and he just reaches out, stretches, and all of a all of a sudden he's like ten foot. He's like like Gumby, you know, just yeah. stretching out and catching it. And then the third one was Garrett Wilson's touchdown on the first drive of the third quarter for Ohio State. I was really impressed with that catch, how he was able to position his body. He makes it look so so easy. I was talking to Travis May about this play last night on the uh, College to Canton podcast, and I think it's just underrated how difficult it is to to track a ball when it's coming from directly behind you, and you have to kind of look over your shoulder and and, and place your body in the in the right uh, zone of the like 
you have to position your body correctly. You have to make sure you're not running out of bounds. You have to remain running at full speed and track the football. And that's something that Garrett Wilson does so well. We saw that against Clemson as well, uh, where he's able to make adjustments and, and really uh, control his body in just unbelievable ways. So th- those three plays uh, really stood out to me. Um, as well as um, uh, Justin Fields' big, I think it was like a 35-yard run that he had. Um, Dude gets in the open field, it's it's over for people. Yeah, he can climb the pocket well, he can sense that pressure, and then he knows when to take off. And uh, th- those those four plays were, were real real highlights for me. Uh, was there any any other ones that you remember that that st- stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. I And this is now, I'm, I'm about to get defensive. Um, I do feel like Ohio State's secondary took a whole lot of grief because Devonta Smith got just burned everyone. Um, Patrick Sestan got beat like four or five times in this game badly by Chris Alave and by Garrett Wilson. They beat him. Um, and you just don't necessarily know it because on one of them, Olave was way deep uh, on a play, but I think Fields ended up taking a sack. Um, Garrett Wilson was just blatantly missed on a touchdown. Um, actually that might've been on the field goal drive, but either way, like the, the two receivers for Ohio state made quite a few plays. And I know that the takeaway from this game is going to be that the Alabama secondary did a good job holding them in check. But I think there was just a lot going wrong at that point. And it was the pressure that actually did a whole lot more to slow down Justin Fields in this one, but either way, um, and the, the Alabama defensive line, I mean, they played really, really well. Uh, I would be curious again, like, you know, if, if, um, if a sermon's in there, if that looks different, if he's able to, uh, with his running style, you know, wear them down a little bit, uh, force them to respect the run game a little bit more. Not that they really didn't, but, um, but I thought both actually, I thought both defensive lines played well. I mean, Najee Harris, uh, he, he was bottled up for the most part. He didn't break off any huge runs. I, I think he only averaged um, 3.6. Three, yeah, three plus yards of carry. Uh, he looked good. I, I don't think he had a bad game by any means, but uh, I, I thought that, uh, yeah, Ohio State's D-line played played well, especially considering they were out some some depth. Yeah. Um. All right, now do you want to jump into players? Because I, sure. I have, I have yeah. some takes. Um, yeah, sure. All right, so if you're on Twitter last night, you probably saw the great BMI debate uh, going oh, on. My. I'm just going to put this out there. Anyone who is arguing against team BMI, just stop. You know why? Cause you're arguing with like seven people total. <laughs> Devonta Smith is the consent is a consensus top five wide receiver. Um, and the, if you're looking, it, it's film people are trying to make this case, but the analytical argument against him is, Hey, of course he's getting a ton of looks. He's the oldest guy on the field. Uh, I would be shocked if he wasn't. But as we've talked about, he was playing with a ton of talent in previous years. He actually was one of the better performers last year on the team. I think his production profile is fine, and he's going to get draft capital. Uh, that's why Devonta Smith is my wide receiver, too. Uh, the only reason I have Chase above him, Chase is younger. Chase had just as good a season last night. Maybe not just as good a season, but... On a team that had a ton of talent, he had an absurd season. So Chase is my one. Devonta Smith is my two. Um, I, I I just don't want to hear the BMI conversation because people are using it as a, look, everyone is knocking him because of this. Well, the, the truth is there is some truth to the fact that BMI correlates somewhat to wide receiver success. It's also not a an end of argument because I don't... Um, 
I don't think a lot of our readers sometimes realize, but athleticism and size doesn't matter at all. Um, production is really the only thing that analytics, like analysts, um, really care about because what really matters when it comes to wide receivers is draft capital and production. Devonta Smith is an, we'll say an A to a ranging, like a high A in production and is going to have high draft capital. I don't care what he runs. I don't care what he weighs. All I care is, is that an NFL team is going to take him as a top 10 pick and he's going to get opportunities. So that is the, should be the, what people take away from his size because anything else is just noise. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree. And I actually have him as my, I, I was talking with Travis last night about how at, at the start of the year I had Jamar chase, you know, was like number one and, um, like wide receiver one and my running back one was Etienne. And now I I've put, um, I've put both Alabama players, uh, at number one at their position. And that's the other one is so Najee Harris, there were, I'm, I'm really, I'm sub, uh, podcasting at one person because he was arguing with himself a lot last night. Um, he doesn't listen. He didn't respond to any of my tweets. He doesn't know who I am. So whatever. <laughs> um, but so he was making the, well, get Harris, it. who is it? Who is it? It's Ray QG or whatever his name is. Okay, um, I don't know. He's a really, he's a smart dude. Um, he's a pretty good film analyst, but he has this nasty habit of arguing with himself. Uh, he picks a, an argument that no one is having and then starts using that. So he is currently, uh, he went in on, up, everyone is saying Devonta Smith is too small. Devonta Smith is too small. Look at how dominant he is, though. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, I, no one is saying he's too small to be good. There's just a the people pointing out. By the way, his BMI is kind of low. But he also then tried to say, well, look, everyone's critique or Najee Harris is awesome, but he's a senior, so he must suck. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, do you care about running back age? Mm. I mean, I, are you asking me? Or are you being hyped? I'm asking you. I, I mean, to me, it's irrelevant because they're all done after their first contract anyway. And, nowadays. and that is my thought. I give yeah. zero shits about running back age on the simple logic that I just want them for three to four years anyway. I want yeah. it. What I care about for a running back is athletic profile and a little bit of production, just a proof of concept to them. Um, Najee Harris is going to prove to be incredibly athletic. He's also going to have a production profile that makes him among the best in this class. For those two reasons, I am putting him as my running back one. I have moved him above ETN on the simple fact that he, he's not as explosive as ETN um, when it comes to like the breakaway super duper long runs, but he's a better receiver. I think he's a better, I think he's a better pass blocker just because he's bigger Um, he's a, and as a running back, I think he is more likely to get you four to six yards per carry without the giant boom run. Whereas ETN is very likely going to be a guy that gets you a two yard run, a two yard run, a 60 yard run. Um, I love that 60 yard run. I'm not knocking ETN for it, but I think the, a coach is less likely to pull Harris off the field if he hasn't had a boom play. Whereas they might pull off ETN if he looks like he's quote unquote struggling. Um, yeah. And I think too, like having this extra year in college, like 
sure he got more wear and tear in college before he got to the NFL. But like we said, we don't really care about that because it's all about it's all about the first contract for a running back anyway. Um, but also he has developed his skill set in such a dynamic way that now um, when he goes to the NFL, people know, oh, he can do this. He can do that. He like all the things you just said. Whereas if he would have gone in last year, they would have only used him as a running back. He would have never been able to show that he was uh an asset in the past game. And he may have been pigeonholed into a, a Derrick Henry type role. I know he's a different running back, but you know what I mean? Where he's that first and second down guy and they don't want to trust him on third down. Now he at least has the opportunity to go into a running back room and, and become the number one guy uh, from, from day one. And I think, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, please. Uh, he had 27 receptions, 304 yards and seven receiving touchdowns in 2019. Yes. Yes. It, he, he had 43 receptions this year. So obviously they did make a, a point of using him more in the passing game, but I think last year he probably showed us the requisite minimums to prove yes. that he was a capable one this year. He proved that it's more than just capable. It is. And maybe that was my bias going into it. Maybe I'm just thinking Alabama running back, not part of the past. Like maybe that was a me thing. Maybe that's not what smarter analysts and and fantasy football guys and Debbie guys are looking at maybe I was on the outside but but to me it, he was my number three running back and, and hesitantly because I wanted Chuba and Etienne ahead of him and now it's he's really he's really surpassed them uh pretty significantly I was joking yesterday what if he decides to come back for his for for another year <laughs> just to be like I really enjoy college this is fun let's keep rolling well I'll be um, interested to see because there are actually quite a few names that are um kind of interesting to see if they they do decide to use that extra year so one of the names that excuse me um I think could come back and utilize the extra season is Brian Robinson Jr. Um, he isn't actually a, a very, very talented running back, but when you share a room with Najee Harris, it's hard to get consistent work, but you're talking about a guy that averaged nearly seven yards of carry last night, but on the year averaged 5.3, um, and had a little bit of work in the passing game. Um, actually 2019 was probably his best season where he had, 440 yards, five touchdowns. And then he also threw in uh, 11 receptions over the course of the year. So he's just an interesting guy, but I don't necessarily think he has much draft capital in the NFL. Right. So if you're him and you, I mean, he'll probably be able to get to the NFL if he goes out now, but if he can come back and be the lead at Alabama, which I don't know if that's a guarantee, um, it seems like it's at least entertaining. He something he should entertain. So Brian Robinson Jr. He's going to be a name I'm going to be watching around declaration time. If he decides to go back, he's a guy that I'm going to actually start. I guess putting a, a few more eyes on just to kind of figure out where he should be at the start of next year when it comes to like, is he a sleeper guy to go target for Debbie? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what how Trey Sanders bounces back from his injury and. And all that, that'll well, that'll play into it too. And so we mentioned like futures and or we mentioned like next year's Heisman and stuff like that. I did release an article last night um, talking about that. And but I don't really want to jump into that fully, but one of the highly um, considered guys for the Heisman is Jace McClellan, the freshman running back on Alabama who had no carries in this game. Um, I do kind of wonder 
what that back, this backfield looks like next year. Because like I said, Robinson might come back. They have um, Trey Sanders. And I think they have another running back coming in in the next year's class too. So th- that room might get replenished really fast. And it there is quite a bit of talent. I mean, Trey Sanders hasn't done a whole lot yet, but we're talking about a guy who was like a top six overall player in his high school class. So, I mean, I don't like betting against that high of a prospect. Right. So that, that room is going to still be good. Well, um, one, one huge um, flaw in, in Trey Sanders that I see is that I have him in a couple Debbie leagues. So he's so probably, to him. he's probably destined for, for, uh, you know, nothing so you did to him what I did to Justin shorter. Um, yeah, basically, basically. So, uh, the one last guy that we're I well let's talk about two more guys that are coming out this year from Alabama. Um, first one we'll just say I did not like seeing Jalen Waddle on the field, um, and it's what well, this wasn't like Ohio State fan didn't want to see a guy because he's scary. I was afraid for him because oh, yeah, just him limping around so much. It was it was it was rough to watch. Just, it, it wasn't that I I don't think he was hurt, but I don't think he has figured out his ankle. Like, I think mm-hmm. his ankle is probably not permanently different, but it feels very different to him right now. And my concern became, if this is 75% Jalen Waddle and 75% Jalen Waddle isn't quite as fast, and, I mean, Ohio State's defenders are still physical, if nothing else. I just didn't want to see him get hit in a way that actually might affect him. Um, right. It didn't happen Uh, every time they pretty much had him do like some type of crossing route and then he would get the ball and then pretty much just go straight out of bounds, which I pretty much I'm, I'm okay seeing Um, regardless. uh, I, I don't know if I can keep him as my wide receiver three. I Mm. think I can't drop him past like five, um, but I don't know yeah, if I can feel it's just too high. Yeah. Well, it's just a matter of like, do you, are how confident are you about him versus Rashad Bateman? If Jalen Waddle's ankle is a little bit screwy um, mm-hmm. and he isn't the athletic freak that he was. I don't know. Um, Rondale Moore, we saw quite a bit out of this year. Um, Bateman, we saw quite a bit out of this year. I just wonder a little bit if maybe we need to just consider him. Even if I put him down to five, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that the gap he had between Rondale Moore and Bateman is now they're more of a cluster. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's a good call. And then Mac Jones needs some respect. Um, he is he is my QB three. I understand. Yes. I thank understand. you. I, me and me and me and Travis got into. We are agreed for the most part, uh, but we got into it a little bit around the Trey Lance discussion. He's boring. I get it. He's not going to run for a whole lot of yards. He's never going to be even like a Ben Roethlisberger kind of runner. You're probably talking about a guy that has a very Philip Rivers type career. But I think there's a decent chance that that Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, and Trey Lance all are complete busts. And if that's the case, I I kind of would rather take Mac Jones as my QB three, because I'm fairly confident that over the course of his career, he's going to live in that QB 13 to QB 18 range. And if it's a super flex league, that means he is a consistent starter that is going to be giving me some level of confidence. So I am, um, I'm not moving him down. He is my QB three. Zach Wilson is more exciting. Trey Lance is more exciting. 
but Mac Jones should not be the QB five, six. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. We are talking about just how prolific he has been. He's only lost like one game. Uh, he's got, you know, like five, 400 yard passing yard games on the season. One of them being against a really good Georgia defense. I mean, I, I think if he had a name like uh speedy Jetterson or something like that, we might all like him more, but <laughs> Mac Jones is just so boring. And, you know, he's just this kind of average just, dude. Yeah. And uh, it's not fun, but he has been balling out. He's been winning. He's been producing. And like the biggest knock that people have against him is that he has a Heisman wide receiver. It's like, it's yeah. not his fault that he's playing with great players. Like he's getting them the football in positions to excel. That's something that you're going to want from a quarterback at the next level. Like if you pair him with a, a DJ Moore uh, type and a Curtis Samuel, and a Robbie Anderson, imagine what he could do in that offense with McCaffrey there. Like he could really uh, utilize those weapons, get them the ball in, in space and, and let them do the work without, um, without screwing up. And, and I hate the term, like I hate that the term game manager is used as a negative because to me, it really shows um, a level of maturity and a level of willingness to do what is needed to win. And it can be super efficient and you can still be a game manager and produce um, good numbers in the NFL. So even if that's all he is, I totally agree with you. Give me Mac Jones over Trey Lance, a guy who we've never really seen do it at any level. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think Lance probably has a higher upside, but give me the the more sure thing uh, every time. Agreed. And I think that's, he's the guy that I would feel the most confident drafting from that second tier of guys. So, um, all right. I guess we should talk about the Ohio State guys because, well, this is an Ohio State Homer podcast. That's right. Um, That's right. Let's start with the uh, the man who missed the game or missed most of the game, Trey Sermon. Um, obviously, didn't do anything in this game, but we, we're, he had two straight games that all of a sudden made him relevant. I saw, uh, I think it was the Draft Network had pushed him as up to their running back five in this class. Um, if he gets day two capital, we're talking about a guy that is legitimately like fringe round one discussion in rookie drafts, non-super flex leagues, obviously. But um, yeah, he'll be a little bit landing spot dependent. Hopefully the depth chart he gets on isn't terrible, but the fifth running back in a class typically has some value. And I I would say a guy that was probably a fourth round pick um, a month and a half ago is now probably a early to mid second round pick. So I think he's really interesting. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, I don't think he... Dude, that catch he made last night, I should have mentioned that on on the plays that... uh, He breasted it. Um, (laughs) I texted you guys. I meant to write, he beasted, but I wrote he breasted, uh, which, you know. (laughs) He did. Um, Now, uh, Jeremy Ruckert is an interesting player because he came to Ohio State uh, as a... Um, he was really considered basically like a wide receiver that plays tight end. And he was considered to be like the next great receiving tight end guy. Um, actually, I, I don't know if we call him friend of the pod, but other Rotoviz um, podcaster, Sal Lido is good friends with Ruckert's family. He was super excited to come play for Urban Meyer. Obviously, then he got here. Everything changed. It was no longer Urban Meyer. Um, but he has really stepped up. He has turned into a pretty proficient blocker. He has, um, 
he is, I mean, his utilization, if you actually look at his stats, is terrible. But if you look at when they use him, it's really astounding because they love to go to him in these big games. Uh, still, the one-handed catch against Wisconsin, uh, the two-touchdown pass, it, or the two-touchdown receptions against Clemson. They they utilized him in the red zone in this game. He is a he is a really really talented guy. I his production is going to make him hard to draft for NFL teams, particularly if the combine does get canceled. But right. he's an interesting player. I think on his tape he has shown enough growth as a player that you will see a team look at him as a. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I think. Dallas Goddard slash Zach Ertz kind of guy. Like, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to blow up your numbers the same way like Kyle Pitts or Will or even Brevin Jordan. But I think he's kind of one of those, I think he'll become an unsung producing guys that is really fun. Maybe uh, Jack Doyle-ish, but I think he's probably more talented than Jack Doyle. Um, but I think that's probably where we're going to see him end up in that type of range. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to go from players that I like the least to players I want to talk to or talk about Justin Fields. Um, I love Justin Fields. He's the best. He's the most talented quarterback in Ohio state's history. He, I mean, he beat Clemson basically on his own, despite the fact that you could tell his hip was really bothering him. Um, I, I don't think that any, anyone who tells you that Zach Wilson is better than him is lying to you. Um, if you listen to the campus to Canton podcast, there are plenty of analytics based crews that actually have him above Lawrence fields is really good. And he still has a lot of growth that he can do. Hopefully that he, the only worry I have with him, and this is the only reason I have Lawrence above him is the holding onto the ball a little bit too long in the NFL. Yeah, that can be a problem. Taking those hits in the NFL is a little more concerning than it is against Indiana. And that that's the only concern I have. But even with that being said, I think even in a game here where he is less than superstar level, you got three or four wow plays from him that are just what you're looking for. So I am I, I have him as my QB two, comfortably as my QB two. I don't think you can go wrong with either of Fields or Lawrence, but um, I have I a quick question fine. for you. If if Fields would have come out and had an encore performance similar no. to what he did no. at Clemson, no. you still think you still think yes. Lawrence goes number one? Yes. I've been saying I, I will say this to every single person. The NFL loves Trevor Lawrence. It is it is his pick that is the pick. The only way he does not go number one is if a team decides to go crazy and like, I don't know, piss off their fan base. Leave it to Jacksonville, baby. I if I mean I, I've heard that Urban Meyer one. Oh, if Urban goes there, he's really close with just he never coached him. Um, he's he's probably friendly with him because Urban Meyer's still very much around the program. But I don't they they have no relationship that would cause him to make that pick. Um, but yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going one. I'm still fingers crossed. If Justin Fields falls to four and Atlanta takes him at four, that would be fun. That's like a mean. I, I think it's possible because I think the one interesting scenario is if 
the Jets bring in a guy who still sees hope in um, Sam Darnold, and they decide to set give him Penny Sewell. So Penny Sewell goes two. I don't care who goes three. Um, and then Justin Fields falls to four. That would be Miami Dolphins would be number three. So maybe Jamar Chase or something like that. Yeah, but unlikely to be a quarterback. So right. um, I do think it's an, it's an interesting chance. And maybe they fall in love with Zach Wilson. There are scouts that seemingly love Zach Wilson. So yep. who knows? Justin Fields to Atlanta is my my dream scenario. Let him sit for one year behind Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has an out in his contract after the 2021 season. They cut him. They they put in Justin Fields. Justin Fields and Calvin Ridley changed the league. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. That and then be fun. I guess we should talk about my heart. Um, yeah, my my favorite player in all of college football, Jackson. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. That will um, be two years from now, or a year from now. I'll I'll be talking about him a lot. But Chris Olave. Um, some it was a quiet-ish night because he obviously coming off of a game where he had 160 yards and a touchdown, two touchdowns. Do you have two touchdowns against Clemson? I don't care. Um, but either way, he had a huge game against Clemson in this game. It really didn't get started till the second half. I mean, he had eight receptions. They clearly were looking at him. Um, I mean, it's he had 48 percent of the completions that Justin Fields threw. He's clearly going to his guy. I don't know. It, it was a little bit of a quiet night. He was covered by a really good, um, a really good playmaker in the secondary for Alabama. I think he probably there was one missed opportunity that Fields could have hit him, but he just wasn't looking at the time when he broke free. Had he done that, then maybe we're looking at this night very differently. Had he had the touchdown um, called that? I mean, you think was a touchdown? Yeah, uh, I thought his, I thought his left foot was in when he caught the ball, but I was asleep and uh, have not gone back to watch it. Sorry. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was, I, I mean, maybe we're looking at this night differently if he has a touchdown, but either way, I think Chris Olave is in non, again, non super flex leagues. I think you're talking about Chris Olave around pick 12, um, maybe two Oh one. Um, but either way, I'm very high on him. I think that he is going to be very good in the NFL some team is going to get him and will fall in love with his route running because that is where he is special. He, he runs routes incredibly smooth. And I mean, I don't think he's a burner, but he also isn't slow. So, right. Right. I, I think, I think he could fall outside of the the first few wide receivers because, you know, some of his, his numbers might not be eye popping, but uh, I think he could end up putting together uh, a Justin Jefferson like rookie season, like we just saw, where he's able to go to an offense that knows how to use him, and he's able to <laughs> he's able to produce uh, right away or pretty pretty close to right away because he is such a good route runner. He has good hands, and uh, and his production I think will be uh, will be very good right out the gate. Um, I think people who invest a, a a pick in him won't be disappointed, especially because, like you said, it will probably be at the end of the first round, uh, beginning of the second round, in, in, in rookie drafts. Do you want to hear something gross? Uh, sure. So I did a a Debbie. I'm in a Debbie draft with a lot of the Debbie Watch guys. Um, so we had a our our draft over the summer, and I'm gonna find it because it is hilarious. So in this draft, I I'm just I'll read off the players I took, and then I'll read off the where I took them because it's just 
It's funny to me. So what is my team name? There it is. Um, so I took Demarcus Bowman, I took DJ Alongalale, I took Jaden Daniels, I took Devonta Smith, I took Julian Fleming, and I took Chris Alave. I had picked three. Um, I took Chris Alave at three. I took Julian Fleming at seven. I got Devonta Smith, who now is most people's top three wide receiver. Easy. I got him in the third round or in the third pick of the second round. Um, he was like the sixth wide receiver off the board. So, and then I got Daniels, DJ Alongole in like the turn range for the second and third. And then Bowman, who people may not know, he is a, uh, he was a, he was a Clemson running back who transferred to Florida. And he was one of the top, I think he was a five-star in in the class of 2020. He didn't really like Clemson. So I think he was homesick, went back to Florida I think he's a guy that we'll probably know at Florida next year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just want to bring that up because sharps, there are crazy amounts of sharps out there. And I mean, Chris Alave, George Pickens, uh, Justin Jefferson, because there were rookies still in um, David Bell, Julian Fleming, Brandon, Ayuk, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Lynn Bowden, which Eesh. yeah. Uh, Jamie Newman, um, <laughs> these are, and I mean, Jameer Gibbs, who I like Keyshawn on, uh, all these guys went ahead of Devonta Smith, who is now obviously, if yeah. we did this again, he probably would have been the second pick. So it, it's just, it's funny to think about because I, I do think that one of the most difficult things is to find the guy that had was a little bit boring and is the guy that you know is good, but you just don't know, like, like he's the guy that's the 12th pick in the first round, and you're just like, well, he's there. Um, sure. I, I think that we need to start thinking about that guy and not trying to push him down our board. But maybe that's just me. I, I know I wasn't super high on him, but I just saw him and was like, why wasn't this guy taken in the top six picks? So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I just felt like that was an interesting thing that happened. But yeah. Um, all right. So now I do like, well, do we want to, do we want to hear, let's, let's take a quick break. I want to tell you guys a little bit about, um, an awesome opportunity, uh, for you to start your own podcast here at blue wire. And it's a, it's a brand new program called blue wire hustle hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity, uh, to take your podcast to the next level or to just start it off. If you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part about all this is that you can get it for only $15 a month. That is a really incredible rate. I told you last week, that's what you're going to pay anywhere anyway. So now you're getting it with all these other uh, bells and whistles and really fantastic opportunities. Uh, So this is the same rate as uh, any other hosting site is going to charge you anyway. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance of this program is limited, so get your application in today. So to apply, you're going to want to go to bwhustle.com. 
com slash join. I'll have that link in the description uh, here right now. So uh, hit pause, take a look at that, and then uh, be sure to uh, come back on the other side. We're going to hear from Curtis Patrick, tell you a little bit about what's going on at Rotoviz. Of course, uh, we are excited you're listening, and we'll be back with you in just a second. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right, go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing, if you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Uh, I'd like to hear um, you, you kind of mention maybe uh, some of these guys that you know aren't so sexy and flashy right now but maybe a year from now we're, we're looking at them a little different are there any players that come to your mind matt that you're like man this person maybe hasn't gotten the buzz but given the uh like with devonta smith it was kind of easy to see he was already producing and then you had rugs and uh judy take off and and there was just a and then of course you know um waddle gets injured but you could see kind of how the path for him to become this dominant receiver was there is there any other players that come to mind that you think this time next year we're just like, oh, why was I drafting him in the second or third round? Why wasn't I going after him um, earlier on? Well, dang, now that you put me on the spot, I kind of just didn't think about that. Um, it doesn't have to be, of course. I mean, um, I think I think Jerry and Ely is a guy that might end up falling down some boards just because he's a little bit, uh, while he plays on a fun offense, I think that people are going to forget that he's really, really talented at times. Um, huh. Tyler Shuck. Um, I'm not serious about that. I do think Zamir White is a guy that may end up falling down boards a little bit further than he should. Uh, he was, for the most part, the leader on that offense. And if they do kind of get into a little bit more running, I think he'll be an interesting name. Who else is there that really stands out to me? Zay Flowers. I, I think he'll be a guy that climbs boards. I don't necessarily think he fits that criteria. Uh, I mean, don't, if you ever see Garrett Wilson or George Pickens falling, just take them. Uh, they're going to be amazing. Yeah, Honestly, I, I can't imagine those names fall though. I think people I can't. Are pretty, what about a guy like Brew McCoy? Does he have enough buzz? Do you think he's someone that could, uh, t- could he, elevate the game? Or do you think I, I think you can get him cheap this off season. And I think you should get him cheap because he was a former like absurd, uh, I wonder a little bit if Drake London, the buzz came off of him a little bit and maybe people are less excited about him. So he's a name to keep an eye on. Um, Yeah. I mean, there aren't a ton. It's hard to identify him really right now until we, like you start to see where where ADP does. Um, I do kind of want to actually talk about next year though, because uh, so obviously season wrapped up. What do you want to talk about more than anything? 2021 Heisman Trophy. Um, So I released an article last night for Action Network that uh, talked about the Alabama Heisman hopefuls and the Ohio State Heisman hopefuls. And as you would guess, there were a lot of people listed on Heisman boards. Um, So Master Teague had uh, had odds anywhere from plus 2,800 all the way to plus 6,000. 
He was a five-yard five yard per carry guy. Um, don't bet on Teague. Um, particularly, I think that there's a decent chance he is... I think he's splitting work next year. Ohio State has two top five running backs in next year's class, and I think that they will likely have an impact. And also, I, I think we saw a little bit out of Mayan Williams that makes me think he's not going to go away. And then one name that came in last night who has mostly been injured at his time at Ohio State is Marcus Crowley. He's yeah, really intriguing. Um, yeah, he's former Mr. Um, Mr. Florida football or Gatorade Florida football player of the year or whatever during his senior year. He was the guy that was most likely going to become the number two running back on the depth chart going into last season, but ended up tearing his ACL and missed almost all of this year. Um, but yeah, so Master T, I, I think his value got a little bit inflated just because people think he's going to get a ton of work. Um, huh. um, the So Jace McClellan, he's, he's actually interesting because you can get him there are some places have him as high as uh, plus thirty three hundred. Other places have him at plus eight thousand. Um, I actually don't hate him at plus eight thousand, but I wouldn't recommend betting him just because we mentioned Trey Sanders. I think that so for a running back to get this, they're pretty much going to have to put up absurd numbers. They're going to have to like you're going to have to be putting up something crazy. Your team's going to have to be winning or be a playoff team, and you have to be the superstar, um, kind of like a Breesy Hall. Um, Brees, I don't care. Um, I'm going to call him Breezy. Uh, he, he's the <laughs> only person be like, if Iowa state goes undefeated next year is a playoff contender. Brees Hall is going to be the running back. That's going to win it. I don't think Jace McClellan really has much of a shot. I do. However, think Bryce young, um, some places have him at plus 400 and that would make him basically the favorite. Um, if you see, if you want to bet Bryce young shop around because there are places that have him as high as plus 1100, at yeah. plus eleven hundred, I think you are potentially getting one of the best value bets on the entire board. Uh, at in high school, his senior year of high school, he completed seventy one point nine percent of his passes for over eleven yards per attempt. Uh, he went over um, while he that his senior year was very easily his best. I think he had like four thousand total yards. He uh, had two seasons where he passed over three thousand yards. Before that. He also had 357 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns during his final year. I do think he's going to pretty much run away with that. If there is any type of competition, he's going to run away and hide with it. And because he has a little bit of rushing upside, I do think he's going to be an interesting change to the offense uh, yeah, compared I, to Mac Jones. Yeah, I just wonder, and again, it's Alabama. I'm sure they're going to be just fine. But they're losing again, like in the last... Uh, between this year and last year, the amount of wide receiver talent that's leaving that team is just unbelievable. And like I, I you and I like Mechie, he's cool and all. Uh, I don't but like Mechie. you don't like Mechie at all? No, I don't think he's good. Uh, well, the name I will tell making, you, <laughs> just making my point. I'm just comparing it to a guy like Spencer Rattler, who's going to be throwing it to Hazelwood Weiss and my boy Marvin Mims. You know, like yeah. those guys. I mean, I think, are, but you, but I would also say that. No, pretty much no matter where you want to get Rattler, he's the favorite on the board. Yeah, I think Bryce Young is a pivot right now. Well, I just, I question right now. My thought process would be that if you are going to take, do you think, what do you think the odds are that Bryce Young is sitting in New York or where, if they're doing oh. it local, but what do you think the odds are that he's there? Oh yeah, he'll be there. So you're giving yourself an 11 to one odds on a guy that we're pretty confident is going to be sitting sure. there. 
yeah, that's a okay. pretty decent spot. And that's how yeah. I'm looking at it. And for as much as we don't love their wide receiver crew, Billingsley will be back and they're bringing in two wide receivers that were top 100 overall players in this upcoming class of 2021. Uh, Jacory Brooks is a guy that uh, film scouts have told me they love him. So uh, I, I mean, I, and I take that back and they've also got a third guy. Heck they have four wide receivers in the top 100 overall prospects coming in, in the class of 2021. So while I do think that this is a, they're going to be hurting from losing Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Um, he's going to have no lack of people to throw to. So that I, you're right. You are absolutely right. in being concerned about that loss, but that room's going to be just fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, the one other name that is interesting to me oh, because they might have O'Brien call in their plays, which could really hurt them. Well, I'm just, I mean, he was really good at Penn state. His yeah. one year at Penn state, he was really good. Yeah. Um, was the, the name, the fun one that I really like out there is CJ Stroud. Um, you can get him at plus 5,000 on some books. Uh, although the, it has already moved. I, when I wrote this up last night, not wrote it up, but when I finished writing this yesterday, he was plus 5,000 on FanDuel. Uh, he is now all the way down to plus 4,000. So 40, oh, I mean, wow. you're still getting 40 to one odds on CJ Stroud. I think what we've seen out of Ryan day is that he's going to get a productive quarterback. Um, right. And they have, and they, and Ohio state has wide receiver weapons like Garrett Wilson, Jackson, like you, like you said, Jackson and Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, Jamison Williams, yep. they've got guys. Um, the one interesting thing is that there are some books that think Jack Miller is going to win the quarterback competition um, because they have, I've seen Jack Miller as um, high as plus 1600, which to me feels crazy because I'm, I think CJ Stroud's going to win. I think CJ Stroud is going to be the quarterback in this bunch. I, he was the backup all of this year. The only reason that the first time we saw a backup, it was Jack Miller was because CJ Stroud was hurt. Uh, Stroud brings a little bit of mobility. He, te- he's going to be an easier guy to jump in and replace, um, fields than Miller who Miller is plenty mobile. He's kind of a, I just, I would compare him to a young Ben Roethlisberger. He is a big, thick kid. He has an arm. That's really good. Um, he's, he's a talented passer. Um, but his running is more of a extend the play, not a make defenses fear for his running. If that makes sense. So, um, I do think that's an interesting, but that's an interesting competition. So from this, in this article, the two bets that I put out there is like value bets that I, I will probably go find and place a wager on is uh Bryce young at plus 1100 and CJ Stroud at plus 5,000. I just think there's a decent chance you get both of those guys in New York for the Heisman ceremony. And if that's the case, 50 to one is a pretty nice payout on a dude. Um, who I don't think it's insane to think that he's sitting there, but yeah. and a couple of the other numbers just to throw them out there. Like you mentioned, Rattler at about 300 uh, DJ, you yeah. at plus 400 Sam Howell plus 600 surprisingly Derek King after his tour in ACL is still up there at plus 750. Yeah. And then Keaton Slovis is right there around that Bryce young range. Are you pulling off bet online? Are you, where are you pulling these from? Just out of I'm, I'm looking at a, uh, at sports line. Okay. I was on uh FanDuel, but let me see if I can actually pull up bet online right now and see, cause uh, this is the other thing is that when you're looking at futures, um, shop as much yes. as possible because, um, I mean, you will get pretty sizable swings and odds because the I books mean, just haven't figured out. So 
Uh, yeah, and Bryce Young Daniels would be another guy to. That he is a, a guy to watch. Um, yeah. I will say Bijan Robinson. Uh, we we saw him come on late at the end of the year. If Tech if Sark makes Texas quote unquote back, it's probably going to be on the back of Bijan Robinson next year. He's plus two thousand on Bet Online. I think that's a pretty solid one. Um, Stroud on this one is plus thirty three hundred. Uh, who else is in there? Yeah. That's re- I I mean I, I think there's quite a few. Uh, interesting names out there, but those would be really the names that I would stick to. DJU is pretty intriguing at plus 800 as well. So oh, that's, that's a good number right there. I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're looking at him, I, I definitely think Clemson is going to win the ACC again. That should make them a playoff team. And if we're looking at a guy, excuse me, that has like 3,600 yards passing and 30 touchdowns, I mean, again, decent chance of sitting in New York. So that's, that's how you have to kind of just break these down is what odds do you think it is that he's sitting in New York and are you willing to take the future coin flip on this? So that's those are the names I'm looking at early on. Um, but all right, I guess uh, the last one thing I guess we we are obligated to do is talk about next year's playoff. Yeah, we can just time. we can just do a real quick one. Just give me your your four teams that you think will go in. We'll we'll talk about a lot more good stuff. Uh, down down the road, of course, um, our off season will be like I said last week. We'll be with you guys, like give or take every other week. Um, I don't know if it'll always drop on Thursdays, like it has been, but but you can count on us uh, just about every other week, and we'll have some some random nonsense. It's not like uh, Matt and I don't know what to talk about when we <laughs> hit record. We just go. Um, so we'll have lots of stuff. I should mention this was a we talked about this potentially being a fifteen minute podcast today. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah, an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, so yeah, uh, give me your number. Do you want to give me number four? We and I'll give you my number four, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, we'll go four okay. four to one. My four yep. is Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay, my number four is gonna be Georgia. Ooh. I think JT Daniels is is gonna be a little bit better than people think. I think Florida is gonna be in a little bit of a rebuild. I don't I just don't know if I trust Emory Jones. So give me JT Daniels, give me Georgia, number four. All right. Number three. Write down as we go. All right. So number three. Uh for me, it's Oklahoma. Um, like you've mentioned, Rattler's gonna be pretty absurd. I, I I struggle to see where they slip up if Rattler does take the necessary steps forward. And I think having a fully healthy wide receiver core is going to be what he needs to take those steps forward. So Oklahoma is my number three. Yeah, Ohio State is going to be my number three. All right. And I think our number two and number one are probably the same. Uh, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Yeah, probably. So <laughs> our number two. Clemson. Um, oh, see, mine's actually Alabama. Well, that's fair. You're allowed to be wrong. Um, uh, DJU, I, it's mostly that when they're going to compare resumes at the end of the year, Clemson's resume is going to be weaker than Alabama's. They'll be undefeated. Both of them will be undefeated. Alabama's going to trip up. And then they're not going to be number two. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll take Clemson at number two. Uh, you're taking Alabama. Yeah, and then uh, Clemson's my number one. And, and then, then Bama. Alabama. Bama is my one. Um, I, I don't think there's a ton to say on this. I think Georgia's the interesting team on the outside. I think that Oregon, quietly, is an interesting one. I will say, our, so we, as of right now, Ohio State is scheduled to play Oregon. Yeah, that's going to go back for Oregon. Eh, I don't know. We're. I mean, we say that, but Ohio State's turning over um, 
multiple offensive linemen. Ohio State is turning over Trey Sermon and Justin Fields and will lose probably two defensive linemen and all three linebackers. So I, I, I will tell you right now, if the opening line is less than six and a half, I'll be shocked. I mean, that's fair, but we'll find out. But I think that's an interesting, that's a, I mean, that game is going to have as much say on the playoff as a lot oh, of games next season. Clemson, uh, Georgia, don't they kick off the year? Did it? I think Clemson, Georgia kick off the year, in which case I need to readjust because I don't think, I don't think Georgia, if, if Georgia wins that game. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. Clemson's um, not going to make it. And well, Clemson, so, Georgia, oh, I have to Yeah, Georgia that. and Clemson is is on that. You're right. So yeah. um, uh, opening. <laughs> yeah, I need to adjust. Either uh, way, I, I mean, I don't think so. And then Georgia has so their schedule next year as it currently stands. That's really Florida, Clemson are really their only losable games. I mean, unless you think Auburn takes a step forward. Um, so I, I do don't not hate. I don't. I don't hate. I still think Clemson's a pretty solid one. Um, but there's yeah. that. There's that win that gets Clemson their uh, their uh, two. big win to get them to number one. Sure, sure. Uh, and the reason I don't have Oklahoma in there is I think Iowa State and them are going to mess around, and Texas is going to get a win in there. The Big Twelve is just crazy. So well, and, and same with the Pac-12. I just have very little faith that anyone gets through. Uh, with a with a good enough resume resume, excuse me, to to compete with a number two SEC team. It's, but are you taking into consideration the fact that Ohio State's resume is going to be boosted by playing Tulsa? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, our schedule's no. funny. It's we start off the year with a Big Ten opener against Minnesota, then Oregon, then Tulsa, then Akron. Why couldn't Akron be first? <laughs> yeah, that is very odd. It's a weird um, schedule. Yeah, I man, we have a lot to talk about. We have some, we have good thing uh, we got nothing but time. I know, I know, and it's not like we're really doing anything anytime soon either. I need this vaccine, and I need it soon. <laughs> ASAP. All uh, right, well, that was good, man. I, again, I, I, I bet Alabama. I bet the over. I really was hoping that I would lose my Bama bet so that you would win. Um, the one thing I didn't want to happen is Alabama to win by like three and me not to get my bet and Alabama to win. Um, I really wanted that over 75. I wanted Ohio state to win for you. Uh, sorry that didn't happen, Uh, but at least it's the least it's happened in your lifetime. You know, like, uh, I mean, Ohio state's going to play for other national champ is going to probably be in a playoff again soon. They're going to have opportunities to be there again. I am, I am fully aware of the issues that surrounded this Ohio state team. And honestly, I'm so happy I got to watch any season whatsoever. The fact that my team got to play in a national championship game, I am going to say that this season is a win for me regardless. So. Yeah. I think the season's a win for all of us. The fact that we had a national championship game, we got through most of the games, very few um, serious consequences from COVID that, you know, I think, you know, overall, we got uh, we got more than we expected. So uh, excited. And, you know, like I've, I've been listening to a couple of other people on their podcasts and on Twitter and stuff like that. And uh, can't can't echo enough. Just thank you to all the players and coaches and the staffs for uh, really putting a lot on the line to make uh, make this season happen and to uh, keep us entertained and give us something to do. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of turmoil in life around us from the pandemic to whatever side you are in the political aisle, like 
there, there's been a lot of, you know, dark, dark, sad things in the world. It was nice to have college football to look forward to. And on Saturdays, and then with Maction, we got some Wednesdays in there too. So uh, overall, uh, really excited um, that we got to enjoy this and excited for yeah, what's to come. And I'm, I'm, I'm more excited than ever for, uh, for next season. You're ending our podcast. Our last one of the 2020, 2021 regular season, really, really sappy. I know. So I need to do this in the way that I know best. Fuck you. Hugh, Hugh freeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Dabo. <laughs> there we go. Hey, any, any other final words, uh, before we uh, take off for a couple weeks, since I'm primarily a Debbie guy, it's time to shift to Debbie Bye, Garrett Wilson. No, no, no. You got to say goodbye, Chris Olave. Well, I love you, Chris Olave. <laughs> all right. Talk to y'all. Talk to y'all soon.